right, this summer we've had the opportunity to go through the book of Philippians, so we'll be in Philippians chapter 2 this morning, Philippians chapter 2, and of course, as we think of this book, we think of the importance of just having an attitude of joy, choosing joy, and uh, that's what uh, Paul encourages the church in Philippi with, and, and I believe we can be encouraged with this morning as we look at this letter this morning and how it gives us opportunities to, to have joy. The introduction always that we share is, uh, joy is the unshakable assurance that God is in control of all the details of our lives. The confidence that ultimately we, we can trust God in everything that comes into our lives and the determined purpose to praise Him in all things. You know, as we think of living the life of a follower of Jesus, living effectively as a follower of Jesus, you know, we cannot do it effectively if we try to do it on our own. And today we learn of two of Paul's friends, co-workers we could call them, who were partners with him in sharing the gospel. And as we look at these men specifically, we see how because of a changed heart in their life, they could practice compassion and sacrifice and servanthood. So think of it this way. As we think of Paul this morning, we think of these two men that we're going to talk about as trusted teammates in the local church. Joy comes when teamwork takes place in the local church. These men, they modeled humility, they modeled partnership, and their goal was to promote the gospel. You know, partners are, are important. I think of Adam and Eve, Caleb and Joshua, um, Abraham and Sarah, Batman and Robin, <laughs> Ruth, Graham, and Billy. You know, as I think of partnership, you know, we're in Billy Graham country, and, you know, I, moving from the north, we didn't hear a lot about, well, we heard about Billy Graham, but not like down here, but, but, but I remember as, I, as I've gotten to learn more and more about them, I think of Billy Graham, and I think of George Beverly Shea, and then they had a song leader, too, didn't they? What was his name? Cliff Barrows. And, you know, these guys were, they were partners as they promoted the gospel. What was cool about them, you know, they stayed together for a long, long time. And I'm sure they had little bickering times and times where they were just sideways with each other, but they still partnered and powered through. And I, and I think that's a, a big thing when we think of partnerships, when we think of the importance of them. Um, Wes and Jonathan, you know, partners. Sometimes they even dress alike, don't they? You know, but, but you got that, that, that partnership, don't you? And, and you know, we, we need each other. And I, and I love this passage. I've used it several times. It's probably one of my favorite passages in all the Bible. But in Ecclesiastes, it says this. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. We need each other. You know, uh, uh, thankfully, God's blessed me with a, a wonderful wife who's a, who's a great partner in marriage and raising kids and, and now raising grandkids. You know, it, it's hard to believe. We were talking just uh, this week. It's, it's been 40 years that we've known each other. That's a long time. 
And uh, we, we, we strive to stay together. I think of the partnership. You know, God's blessed us with, with a staff here of, of seven guys who, who work together. And, and we're all shapes and different shapes and sizes and come from different backgrounds. And, and, and Brian and I, we're the older guys. And then you've got these young millennials, you know. <laughs> but there's partnership. There, there's connection, there's community, and, and, and we need that. You know, we're blessed with a church that has such good leadership when it comes to deacons that just partner with us as we promote the gospel. You know, these teammates, and we're going to get to them because we're almost there in Philippians 2, but they were humble, other-focused servants. And, and they, they, they give us a great example of, of ones who, who practice joy through the process. And, and you've probably heard this said, but I'll share it anyway. But the idea of joy, that acrostic that we, we, we've used, joy, Jesus, others, and you. You know, when that's our perspective, when we put Jesus first and then others second and then get ourselves out of the way, you know, there's, there's a joy that comes. When we model that. So these partners, as they invested with Paul, consider them with me today. The first is Timothy. Is Timothy. And in, in chapter 2, verse 19, it says this. And it's Paul talking. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. And then he says, I have no one like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because it says, as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And then he says, I'm confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. Now, study tells us that he probably met Timothy on his first missionary journey. It's believed that Timothy accepted Jesus at a young age in his life. He had a great roots. He had a, a Jewish mother and, and, and grandmother that built into him. Uh, and, and he had a, a, a Gentile a father. Some believe he probably wasn't a, a follower, but he had uh, the investment of, of his family. And then he had Paul. And, and, and Paul talks about him being his his beloved son in the faith. I mean, this is my guy. This is my connection with a father-son relationship. And we see that. And he says in, in 2 Timothy, is he, he basically sends two books to him. First and 2 Timothy, and he calls him his son in the faith, his, his dear son. So very important as we think of this. He says that he, there, there's no one like him, the passage says. Now, Timothy, it's not natural to be a servant. And, and it wasn't natural for him either. But he developed, and as he grew, and as his mind in Christ grew, he, he worked with Paul. He became, became that servant leader that could be trusted and followed. And, and there's two specific qualities. There's many more, I'm sure. But two that I'd like us to focus on this morning when we think of, of this first partner, Timothy. And that is that he had compassion. He had compassion. He, he had a genuine concern, the passage says, for their welfare. And, and then Paul, he, 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 taught, he says very specifically, he says, everyone looks out for their own interests, 
but not those of Jesus Christ. And, you know, that's, that's a good one, isn't it? Because we often are about what we want, what we care about. When we think of this idea of, of compassion and how Paul model, or Timothy modeled compassion, he had a, a concern for the sufferings and misfortunes of others. That's what, what compassion is. He, 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 he had acts of kindness that were lived out to these people in Philippi. Now, often, I think we'll see needs. We'll be touched by something and we'll see a need. We'll maybe hear something in a message. We'll, we'll, but, but then we don't follow through with compassionate acts. And, and I'm guilty of this. I know uh, I, I'm very much into routine and I come to the office when I... I come to church about the same way every day. There's several ways I could come, but I always come, you know, out my driveway, and I, I go down King's Road. And, and, and it's interesting, on King's Road, several months ago, I noticed that there was a, a new person that moved in to a home that was for sale, and he had moved in. And uh, I noticed they were out-of-state license plates at this home. And, uh, you know, and, and then about every day, once they had moved in, I'd see a, a fella sitting on the front porch in the mornings. And we'd kind of make eye contact, and, and i think, you know, I wonder what that guy's story is. Well, you know, I just kept driving by. And, uh, you know, I noticed he had a walker on the, on the porch, and, and it was really interesting. About every time I'd drive by, we would. We'd just kind of, you know, see each other. So finally, I'm leading one of my connect groups that I lead on Sunday morning, and I told them about it. How, you know, there's this this uh, fellow that moved in, and, and, and I told them, one, because they, there's a, a concern for them, but there was also, I knew if I would say something to them, they'd ask me the next week. So that, that accountability piece. So, so it, it was the Tuesday, uh, coming over to the office, and, and uh, there's this guy on the front porch. So I hit the brakes, and I turn around, and I uh, pull in his driveway, a big dog comes out, and, you know. <laughs> Dogs don't want to bite me. I'll give them rabies. So, you know, so, so this dog comes out, and I'm thinking, okay, stay in the car, roll down my window, and I talk with him, and we get talking back and forth, and, and the poor fella, he has trouble with his words. He says, you know, I, I apologize that I, I can't speak too well because I had brain surgery uh, about a year ago, and I just can't get my words out. And and as we talk back and forth, we develop a, a friend. And then I start saying, do, well, do you drink coffee? He said, how about if I bring you a cup of coffee sometime and we'll uh, develop a relationship. But the fellow's name is, is Mike. He's moved here from Utah. And he lives by himself. His son lives in town someplace. And his son wanted him closer. But, but I tell you that, one, because we have to go further when God puts something in our heart. We have to go from concern to compassion. To care. And I, and I tell you because you'll say, so how's that guy Mike doing? How does he like his coffee? You know? So, so again, I, we need that as we are followers in Christ, that accountability, that encouragement. But Timothy was great at modeling Jesus. He had a, a genuine compassion. In fact, he lived out what Jesus told us in Matthew 28. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Do nothing, the Bible says, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourself. So, 
compassion and what Timothy modeled was the compassion of Christ. And when we do that, this is in your notes, when we show the compassion of Christ, we get our hands dirty, we get involved in the lives and interests of other people. And, you know, it can be work because people, we're, we're messy people at times. But, but we need to push in and pull in close and, and get involved in lives. And, and, and how do we respond then as we think of Timothy and we think of this idea of compassion, of, of serving? You know, D.L. Moody said, the measure of a man is not how many servants he has, but how many men he serves. Genuine concern was showed by Timothy. You know, having joy by serving others out of concern is, is, is very often the opposite of what the world teaches. Because if the world says, hey, just take care of yourself. You deserve a break today. You, you know, you've done enough. You, you've put in your time at that church. But you know, the idea is that, hey, it's, it's about others. And, and, and you know, it, it makes me think, and, and, and Paul and Encourage with the next person, as I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, about how there needs to be an honoring of, of people sometimes when they are models of servanthood. But, but I think of the different ministries our church has had uh, since I've been here that just take place, that are, are ministries to the community, are ministering to people. You know, I think of the ministries of, uh, of One More, One Less Project, where our, our church is challenged with, with foster care and adoption and how we see more of that just becoming part of the DNA of Pleasant City Church. And, 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 and you know, it's not pretty. I know the TV shows and the movies sometimes make it, oh, this is so cute, you know, the family comes, have dinner together. But, you know, it, it's a messy thing. You know what I'm talking about if you're involved with that. But, it, but it's, it's, it's about others, not self. And, and, and boy, if we could just develop these ideas, and, and again, we're doing much of that, which is, is, a, is a blessing, is, which is such encouragement. You know, I, I know there's some who, who, who pick people up for church, who, who, who do laundry for people, who, who are real involved. And, and, and those are acts of compassion, of kindness that, that are necessary, that, that I believe Paul is talking about when he thinks of and talks about the concern that Timothy had for this church. So there's compassion, and then there's also companionship. There, there's companionship. And, and when we've read about this, but it says, You know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, verse 22 says, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So he gives us a picture of, of partnering as believers. You know, I thought it was interesting what Charlie had mentioned. Because she talked about how this people group that she's ministering to, the, the mountains, it, it, the story, are their friends. There's no, but, and, and people need friends. You know, the word friend or friendly or friendship, it, it's mentioned over a hundred times in the scriptures. So it, it's important to God. And that's why relationships are important. And that's why connection ministries are important. It's good to have people, again, you're doing life with, you're, 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 actively involved with George Barner, who does a lot of research. He said, Americans are the most lonely people on all of earth. You know, it's just a lot of loneliness. I, I know there's times we get lonely, but that's when you phone a friend. 
When you, when you get your connect group ministry involved in your life to encourage you and, and, and spur you along. And Timothy was that true friend to Paul. I mean, he could say, there's none like Timothy. You know, and Timothy knew a lot of people. Or Paul knew a lot of people, but Timothy was his guy. He, he, he had a, a, a connection with Timothy. And I know that son of the faith idea, I'm sure, had a lot to do with it. But he just was, you know, his guy who he, he could trust to throw in there to the church of Philippi. And, and, and if he couldn't be there, hey, here's a guy who's going to do it just like I can and do. And that's a good thing. So friendship, as we think of friendship, it's, it's, it's presence. It's, it's being present. That's friendship. It's it's. And this can be hard. It's speaking the truth. You know, I have some friends that say, you know, I think you're a little off on this. I have friends that give me uh, mints because my breath gets bad. (laughs) You can give me mints too. I usually just chew them. No. Here's the thing. Friendship speaks the truth. Friendship strengthens others when they're weak. You know what friends do? They pray for you. They provide sort, they provide support and resources when we need them. And you know, having these genuine relationships like Paul and Timothy had, they're few and far between, but God will give you those relationships as we're vulnerable in relationships and friendships and with people. And you know, companions, this is in your notes, that God gives us are to be free to correct, to encourage, and we should listen. So that's Timothy. Now there's another guy, and we don't hear as much about him. In fact, the book of Philippians is the only book that mentions him. And, and that's a guy by the name of Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus. And we read about him in verses 25 through 30. And it says, but I think it necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Look at these last three verses. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then... Welcome him in the Lord with great joy. Honor people like him. Because he almost died for the work of Christ, he risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Now, Paul's a Hebrew of Hebrews. We'll learn about that next week. Timothy was part Jew, part Gentile. Epaphroditus was all Gentile. In fact, some believe he was a member of this church in Philippi. And he risked his life because he took an offering to Paul in Rome. In, in chapter 4, it uh, talks about how Paul received the offerings and thanking the church for the offering. But, but, but his name, get this, means charming. That's what the name Epaphroditus means. You know how our names sometimes, you know, well, all our names mean something. But in this case, Epaphroditus modeled charming. And, and when you're charming, you're, you're nice. You're just a a polite person, you're a, you're a friendly person, you're, you're, you're likable. If people tell you you're charming, that's a compliment. So accept that. It's not something you wear on your wrist, okay? Like charms, you know? Remember charm bracelets? 
Joey, you never had one probably. But, but the thing is, you had those. <sighs> Charming. That wasn't in my notes. So uh, Epaphroditus brought financial help from the church at Philippi. And Paul sends him back to Philippi because he had fallen ill and almost died. And Paul wanted the church to welcome and honor him back home. And, and he wants the church to, to give him and show honor. So he's putting his name on Epaphroditus, but he's just talking about him. And, and, he, and he talks about this idea, you, you know, honor this guy. You know, on, on a picture, my family picture in the office, I have two words on it. Loyalty and honor. And, and those are a good words for us to think about. And, and of course, Paul's encouraging the church to show honor to Epaphroditus. But honor's a good thing. You know, uh, modeling that is a good thing. So uh, as we go through this passage, as we look at Epaphroditus and some qualities in his life, some, some descriptions of Epaphroditus, you know, he was just a faithful, simple man who doesn't have his name in lights like a lot of the people do. Uh, even in scripture sometimes, lights, uh, that's not a good term, but who are, are the popular ones. He was a behind-the-scenes guy. And, 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 you know, we love magnificent, I think. We love things to just be, wow, like, wow. But day-to-day but -day things. And I've got another example that helps us think about this. It says, to give my life for Christ, it appears glorious. To pour myself for others, to pay the ultimate price of martyrdom, I'll do that. I'm ready, Lord, for that to go out in a blaze of glory. And we think giving our all to the Lord is like taking a, a $1,000 bill. I don't even know if there is such a thing, but picture a $1,000 bill. And laying it on the table and say, here it is, Lord, it's all yours. But the reality of the Christian life is this. It, it, it's going to the bank and it's cashing in that $1,000 bill and getting quarters. 25 cents. And when you think of that idea of, of the quarters, it's listening to your neighbor's kid's trouble instead of saying, get lost. It's giving a cup of water to a shaky old man in a nursing home. Usually giving our life for Christ, it's not a glorious thing. It's done in all those little acts of love, those 25 cents at a time. It'd be easy to go out in a flash of glory. It'd be harder to live the Christian life little by little over the long haul. And, you know, I've got a quarter here. <laughs> you can get a buggy at Aldi for 25 cents. In fact, if you go there, sometimes people don't push their little chain in all the way. <laughs> I say, how do you got a dollar 25 and go get a pound of bologna? I can't get a pound of bologna for that. But, you know, Elliot, is Elliot here? I heard Elliot. Have them go and get those quarters and give them to Grandpa. Uh, but, but the thing is, uh, it's not a lot, 25 cents. In fact, it's hardly anything anymore. But, but when you think of those acts, think of the Christian life as just depositing 25 cents here and there and everywhere. And then at the end of your life, you'll hear, well done, thou faithful servant. He faithfully walked with Jesus, giving out quarters. Now, as we look at him and the type of man he was, we see that, that Paul calls him his brother. So he says, Epaphroditus is my brother. It, it reminds us how he becomes a partner in the gospel. And, and, and to think of this, we're, we're adopted children into the father's 
family. God's our father, and we're, we're part of the family, and we're, we're brothers. And In fact, that's an endearing term. A church I was in in Ohio, we used to call each other brother and sister a lot. I think it was more because we forgot each other's name. So we'll say, hey, brother, hey, sister. But the thing is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a connection. It's a closeness uh, because we're adopted into the family of God. And then he calls him a co-worker in the passage. He, he, he's labored with me in the same mission. He, he's worked with me in the ministry. Now, again, he wasn't that upfront leader. But Paul calls him as equal here. Uh, In fact, he says he's nearly worked himself to death, the passage says. So his brother, his co-worker, and he says he's a fellow soldier. And and Paul's great at using word pictures. You know, later on in chapter 3, he's going to talk about the runner. In Galatians, he talks about agriculture. And here he talks about military and, and, and how, how Epaphroditus, he's in battle with us. He's a fellow soldier. And then he goes and says, he's a messenger as well. He, he, he's conveying love to the church. These words, brother, co-worker, fellow soldier, messenger, they're, they're words of honor. And, and, and they're words that are, are, are being said of this great Man, Epaphroditus. He showed love for the church. In verse 26, it says, He longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. You know, there's a, there's a care here. There, they, you know, often I think sometimes when we have things like maybe illness or stuff that's in our life that's hard to deal with, we, we turn ourselves inward and we sometimes even feel sorry for ourselves but what's cool about Epaphroditus here the Bible says he's ill he's dealing with some some medical challenges yet he turns himself outward in fact the 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 research I did when that idea of being distressed it's the same distress that Jesus felt when he was in the garden of Gethsemane I mean he's like hurting and distressed but yet what we see is he's caring about the people in Philippi with death at his doorstep, he was more, more concerned about others than himself. Philippians 2.8, this was covered a couple weeks ago, but it says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming de- obedient to death, even death on a cross. So, the humility we see. But he needed help in verse 27. He needed help as a, as a, as a leader. And the the passage in 27 says he almost died. He was ill. But God showed mercy on him. And and it it was affecting Paul because there was sorrow in his heart because of his sickness. In fact, he, he mentions it three times, 26, 27, and 30. He mentions the sickness of Epaphroditus. And, and, And what's great, he says, this spared me sorrow since he got through the process. Now, he had said earlier in chapter 1, for me to live as Christ and die as gain. Paul saw dying as gain, but yet he still wanted this co-worker in his life to minister with him. And, and, and what a heart Paul has for Paul, or, or for Epaphroditus. You know, some think Paul sometimes was harsh and rush, rough, but, but he was very caring about 
Epaphroditus. He's a caring man. He said this, when we think of this idea of grieving, in verse uh, 13 of, of 1 Thessalonians, brothers and sisters, don't want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. And I share that because, you know, there is a, an emptiness when someone's lost. But, but there's hope when there's going to be a reunion one day when they're believers in Christ. But, in this case, God showed mercy on him. And, and, and he allowed Epaphroditus to get on the other side of his sickness. He got, he got better. And he shows mercy. I love this passage on mercy here in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5. I want to read it to you. It says, Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. You know, you just see mercy and care all through that. And, 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 and we see that in this psalm. God's covered our sin in his mercy and he heals our bodies. Now there's still a little much to go, one more point to go on this. And, and, and he stresses, hey, give him a good welcome. You know, he deserves a good welcome. I mean, he's... he's He's doing the ministry. And, and, this, and again, the honor is on Jesus, of course. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with honoring a man when they're faithful to that. It says, welcome him and honor people like him. So I, I encourage us to be people like him. And, and Paul's eager to send Epaphroditus back to the Philippians. And, and upon that arrival, Paul's hope was that they would welcome him and be joyful and show him honor. Now, we're in a society, the famous, the talented, they're, they're honored. They're lifting up. But, but, but the honor that really is important, I think, is to honor people like an Epaphroditus. The ones who really should be devoted with honor. In, in Romans, it says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. All right? Children, honor your father and mother. That's a... A good thing. Now, when we do this, when we when we serve, when there's there there's this attitude that, that Timothy show and that Epaphroditus shows, it, it might mean that our schedules need to change. It might mean that you'll get sick on the journey. It might mean that you'll need to open up your home, and even further, that we might have to open up our wallet. And that's really sometimes when the rubber meets the road. Yes, um, there might even be conflict and persecution in those situations. But Jesus wants us to show that honor. In Luke, we're almost done. In Luke it says, Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they might, might invite you back. And so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. 
And I read that because I think sometimes, you know, we, we'll do life with people, and that's important. We'll do life with our family, and that's important. But there's another layer to that. There's others. There's lonely people. There's lonely people that come to our church that sometimes we, we maybe don't pay attention because, well, I need to have dinner with my family. I need to have dinner with my friends. Well, I think what Jesus is saying here, there's a, there's a layer out there of people that aren't being taken care of. It, it's more than just the party for your family. And, 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 you know, I'm thankful for that. I remember it was uh, 20 years ago, 2003, this month, that we got to move to Shelby. Don't clap. Okay. And we got to move here, and we come real I mean, it's like it was just us, and uh, there's no family, and, you know, we didn't have a church family yet, but we started to come to Putnam Baptist Church then, and there are a few people that just said, hey, come on over, you know, spend some time with us, and, and, and you know, it was wonderful because they led us into their life, and we got to be a part of their life, too, and, and, and you know, it... it, it there's people, there's people like the Mikes on King's Road. There's people who are out there that, that need you to start depositing quarters into. God wants us to do that. So, conclusion. Hold men like Timothy, Epaphroditus, in high regard. The attitudes that they modeled are great attitudes, and we need to do them as well. They're examples of men who put on Jesus. Their acts of kindness and service impacted people and advanced the gospel. And God gives us these partners. So, am I partnering with others? Am I loving well? Am I showing compassion? Go spend some quarters today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I know you placed this section of scripture for a reason, for us to learn from these men, Timothy and Epaphroditus, and learn how to love well. So I pray that you would just uh, go before us, uh, be with us as we have this time of reflection and invitation. And Lord, my prayer is that we would be more like Jesus as we put on these attitudes of Christ. In his name we pray, amen. As we stand this morning and the worship team leads us, it's an opportunity for you to pray. Maybe you want to gather around the altar and pray, or maybe you want to have someone pray with you. Maybe you're just lonely and you, you just need someone to just kind of pray over you. And, uh, we have some people that would love to do that this morning. Uh, maybe, you're, maybe you're just one who just wants to just grow in Christ or accept Christ. If that's your need this morning, you know, we'd love to uh, help you with that. But uh, you let God speak to you as we are led with this song.